Beautiful Not Broken, your weekly inspirational hit of solid advice and life stories coming to you to help you rebuild from rock bottom. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Not Broken. It is a Monday night and look, it's been a slow start to the week and I just, it's cold, right? Like it's cold in Sydney at the moment and I just wanted to bring you guys some thoughts that I've been having today and obviously get the podcast out for the week. So today's subject is the art of avoidance. Now, as someone that has lived her life avoiding the shit out of everything, I feel like I am 100% equipped to bring you why you shouldn't be doing this and how you can actually show up and not avoid situations. I've been avoiding situations since the day I was born. I'm a natural avoidant. I hate confrontation. I have no concept of setting boundaries. I like literally am a people pleaser. Do all these things resonate? Like this is this was my life. This is my life pre my 2020 um like rebirth. Let's call it rebirth because that's essentially what it was. <laughs> I think it's the only way to describe what happened to me in 2020. Um, yeah, like these were all the things that I was completely guilty of. And look, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that there was a way to show up and actually, um, be vulnerable to speak my truth, to set boundaries in place. Like I had always thought when I set a boundary, it was bad because I got negative feedback on doing that. Everyone was like, or especially with, you know, some ex-boyfriends, they would always be like, oh, what? Like you're being argumentative, like, and throw it back in my face, which now I know is a massive red flag, right? But yeah, I'd never set boundaries. I was a people pleaser. I got into a lot of trouble in work at work, not trouble as in like in actual literal trouble, but in trouble as in internally, because I constantly said yes. This helped my career development, don't get me wrong, but it absolutely ruined me. I ended up completely burnt out. I lost my dad a year beforehand, ended up with chronic anxiety because I was literally managing every single major project marketing had. I was struggling and refused to tell anyone because I don't struggle. I'm stoic. I'm the girl. I got this shit. This is my jam. I'm strong. No one questions what I'm about because like I don't even cry tears, guys. And that's actually a fun fact about me. I actually don't cry tears. My tear ducts don't work. So I literally can't cry. No, I can cry. And I do cry a lot these days. But back in the day, I was the girl that didn't cry. I was the girl that had like literally, I was emotionally shut down myself. And I believed that I was strong. And I believe that, you know, everyone came to me for advice because like I could give it because, you know, I was so strong. I think people knew I wasn't strong. <laughs> I think it was only in my own head that I thought I was strong and avoiding all this shit was actually just piling up on the other shit. So I am a hundred percent the girl to break to bring you the news that avoiding things will come and bite you on the ass. And then let me tell you that conversation you don't want to have with your, your partner. Yeah, look, it's not doing you any favors not having it. Even if he tells you he doesn't want to be with you anymore and you hear the absolute, like what is the worst case scenario? Is your life over because your partner turns to you and tells you the truth of what you already know, but you're too scared to ask? What's the worst? Yeah, you feel shit. And let me tell you, I still feel shit about it. Like I felt shit about it this morning and it's almost been 12 months since I finally got those words out of my ex. And yet it still hurts. It's raw, man. It is a raw cut. And I think it will always be a raw cut. I married that guy. I was with him for 10 years. 
But you know what? It was raw. But do I sit here thinking, oh, I just wish I hadn't have approached it because I'd be so happily married? No, that shit is ridiculous. I would not be happily married. I would be happily in avoidance. Now, as you know, I avoided the shit out of my dad's death. We spoke about this last episode. I was out partying two weeks later. Like literally, who does that? Honestly, tell me. I was 21. Like this is the biggest thing. Like a 21-year-old cannot. I was so, and you know what it turned into? Avoidance turns into some other raw emotion like anger at parties. Anger at giving your friends a lift in the car and they happen to leave a fucking rapper. That's right. It turns into anger. Well, for me, it did. And I would lose it at people over nothing. I lost it so bad at my sister once, she deleted me off Facebook. And look, both of us were probably in the wrong, to be fair. We're both hot-headed, especially back then, right? We just lost our dad. Like, we were constantly at each other back. Well, not really constantly at each other, but we were, I was so jealous of her because, well, she'd had a boyfriend. So like, she didn't understand what it was like to be alone and go through the death of her dad. Oh my God. I, I reflect on my way of thinking through that. And I'm slightly appalled, but I also know that I didn't know any better. I was not conscious. Like I consciously knew I was going through shit, but I didn't realize I was literally tearing the world down around me. And I was doing that because I was avoiding my own emotions. That anger was internal hurt because I was so hurt by the situation. I was hurt that I was 21 and I'd lost my dad. I was pissed off at the world that I was 21 and I had lost my dad. I was pissed. You could not tell me how it was fair. Why had none of my friends had to go through this shit? Why me? Why me? Why me? I was so focused and so focused on being a victim. And we're going to go into victim mode in another episode, so I'm not going to touch on that too much now. What I want to talk about is this avoidance piece. So I avoided the shit out of my dad's death and I ended up with chronic anxiety. I was overworked at work. I was in like a pretty healthy relationship back then. Like this is with my ex. So obviously we know how it turned out. Um, But at the time, like he was very, he was pretty supportive. There were a few probably red flags now that I can see. Like he refused to say, I love you. Um, Like literally I said, I love you to him. And then he said, that's awkward. And this, we'd been together 10 months at the time. Um, Yeah. There was a whole bunch of issues there. So obviously I didn't feel secure. He gaslighted the shit out of me. He would get text messages from his exes and then tell me I was imagining it. Like, so now actually I reflect, no, it's not a healthy relationship. Let's, you know, recap that shit another time. But yeah, so I'd avoided my dad's death. I jumped into a relationship because I was so lonely. Don't get me wrong. We did have a very strong connection. And I think the connection was we were both probably pretty toxic people. Um, Let's not overlook that. And I did love him. Like I did, like, I'm not trashing what we had. It was actually very beautiful. Um, And I was very much very deeply in love with him. And yeah, so very busy at work, relationship, jumped into it. Before him, I'd constantly been looking for guys. Like I was so adamant that I couldn't be alone. Like I had this real thing around it. And so I was pretty, pretty toxic myself. I was avoiding the shit out of my dad's death. I wouldn't talk about it with anyone. It would come out in anger. I would lose it at my friends. I was a pretty big bitch. Um, yeah, I turned into this person that wasn't probably the loveliest human. I was still really kind at my soul. Like, I don't think that's why I kept my friends because they knew deep down I was probably just processing things really badly and they probably didn't understand how to support me in the way I needed without me losing my shit at them because let's face it, I would. And we went out one night 
as a big group. My girlfriend used to work at the uh, hotel chain, so we'd get really cheap hotel rooms. And we went out one night and all of us were just absolutely off our faces. We had a great night, um, woke up the next morning and bam, after breakfast, my very first panic attack. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, why can I not control my bowels? Why am I vomiting? Why, like, is this a hangover? Like, what is this? I'd never experienced, like, my hangovers were great back then. I was 22, man. Like, we all know what it's like. 30 something now. So it's like hangovers are not as good. But yeah, I woke up and bam, my very first panic attack. I went to the doctor and I was like, well, there's obviously something wrong with me. I ended up spending like, I cannot tell you, it must have been about five to to seven grand on specialist appointments to prove that I was obviously allergic to something or I had a heart murmur. For ages, I believed it was my ears. I had vertigo apparently. There were all these things that would explain the constant, like literally feeling like I was going to shit myself or actually shitting myself because of the panic attack. Because that's what your body does when you have panic attack. It literally releases everything. And let me tell you, that is not pretty. I, yeah, I would have these, I'd be sitting in meetings and have head spins. Like you wouldn't believe, I feel like I was going to pass out. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to pass out if I don't get out of this meeting. And I constantly had this feeling like I had to flee every situation I was in. I got to the point where I couldn't get on public transport. I could barely get in a car if I wasn't driving and had control of the situation. And I think, look, what actually triggered this was that control because up until my dad dying, I'd had pretty good control over my life. Yes, a few shitty things had happened. I'd lost an ex-boyfriend um, to like me being not a great... We just weren't a great pair. We fought all the time. And I'd loved him. And that was massive. That really affected me losing him. But I'd gone and seen someone about that because I knew I wasn't coping very well. And, you know, like a few other little things that happened. As I mentioned, I'd lost my friend when I was 13 or 14. I'd had pretty bad depression that I recognize now. Um, Incredibly bad depression considering I had suicidal ideation and and things like that. Um, Yeah, so look, there was quite a lot in my life. But at this point in time, this, this anxiety was just, I just couldn't, I'd never had anything like it. And I was convinced that it was a medical issue. And that it wasn't just me having avoided all of these things in my life up until this point. I had one doctor and I hated him for this. And he turned to me and said, all right, we've done all these tests. You're fine. Medically, you're a very healthy girl. Like I literally have a resting heart rate of like 48 because I was a runner. Oh, I am a runner. So like my resting heart rate super low because I'm fit, right? Which does mean sometimes I get head spins because like I have low blood pressure and stuff, but isn't like nothing medically wrong with me. I was fine. And he said, have you ever thought that maybe your dad passed away a couple of years ago? Did you get any help for that? And I was like, why would I need help for that? I'm not the one that died. <laughs> That's ridiculous that I say it now. Like how does a 21 year old deal with their dad's da- dad's death? Like, you know, come on. So anyway, I had this... um. I was so angry with him. And he goes, look, I think what you've got is anxiety. I was like, it's not anxiety, mate. Like, I don't get that. Because also you've got to remember the way I was brought up, which was very stoic. I had two very stoic parents that like, you just deal with life's challenges and you move on. You deal with them and you move on. Like you don't, we don't talk about things. We barely hug. Um, luckily my sister was a massive hugger. If she's listening, shout out Kim. Thanks for that. Um, 
but yeah, like we were a really stoic family and like, we didn't talk about shit. My parents would argue in front of us all the time. Like, like really like not taught to healthily talk through or process emotion at any level. Like my dad never cried. My mom, I don't even think, I think I, in my life, I think I've seen my mom cry like a handful of times. Sometimes I make her cry. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, not really, not really. Only when we're cleaning the house out. Um, yeah. So like that was my background. So me being diagnosed with anxiety felt like a massive failure and it felt like I was broken. Like I honestly felt like, well, I'm broken. So why would anyone want to be with me? And this brought up shit obviously with my partner too. Like I was like, well, you know, I'm broken goods. Like why would, you know, why in my head, I actually never expressed this to him. And that's why I actually needed him to support me even more. He gave me a lot of support where he could, but he was not an emotional being either. I'd actually sought out a partner that was like my childhood and, you know, completely emotionally unintelligent. Like none of us, I didn't have emotional intelligence back then really either. I was empathetic, but other than that, I wasn't like, I wasn't in touch with my emotions. I was completely avoidant to them. So then let's fast track to 2020. So you've gotten the picture, avoided the shit out of it, got anxiety, had to work on my anxiety, did that. But I wouldn't say I became less avoidant. Not one psychologist saw what I went and saw. And I, I saw a lot to actually find when I felt like I, mel- I like mended, or what's the word, melded with. And look, fast forward to 2019. My ex and I were having some, some issues I genuinely thought he had feelings for another woman and I kept bringing it up, which, hey, not avoidant, by the way. I brought it up a few times, not as many times as I should have. And every time I brought it up, he made me feel like a psycho. But there was definitely something, and I know now that there was something going on there. But, you know, at the time, I did actually bring it up. And I kept saying to him, look, I just don't want you to show her as much attention as you do. And I really want you to, like, you know, kind of think of me, like, think about how you're behaving with her when I'm there in the room with you. This is a lot more articulate than what I said to him because let me tell you, I had no balls to bring this up with him because I was avoidant and I was a people pleaser and I was never set boundaries before. So this was the first time I was trying to do something like that. Fast forward, we're at a friend's, you, something goes down. He acts badly with this friend and I put him up on it. They disappeared for a really long time and I was like, that wasn't Okay. Like, that's not okay. And I ended up spiraling from this, like, really badly. I, um, like, to the point, I I don't even really want to talk about it now because, yeah, like, I had not actually mentioned to him that this was why I spiraled. I had not mentioned to any of my friends this is why I spiraled. This is their listening news to them too. I got depression to the point where I had suicidal ideation again. I was as bad as I was as a teenager, if not worse. I just wanted everything to come to an end. And I finally met a shrink though that, and because I knew straight away, I knew that I probably needed to be medicated. They wanted to put me on meds, they begged. And I said, no, I wanted to do cognitive therapy and I wanted to work through it. So they, I finally met a therapist who made me question my entire life and my entire being and really pushed me to be less avoidant, which was actually life setting me up for what was going to happen in 2020. Now, fast forward to 2020, let's not bullshit. I avoided the crap out of a lot of conversations that I should have had with my ex when we were sitting in the house, no one doing anything, no one moving the relationship forward or ending it, literally sitting there, having chats, like everything was all good, like literally sleeping in separate bedrooms and chatting like shit was fine. Someone like someone should have done something and it wasn't until I started really, really working on myself 
going back to that same therapist because I knew what I was going through was bad. And I knew me not being, I literally couldn't even ask the questions. They kept giving me the exact ways to ask the questions, but I couldn't hear the answer. I could not hear him say that he didn't love me and that he loved someone else. I couldn't hear it. I was like so numb to it. I was like, but he was my life plan. I love him. He was everything to me. And I couldn't hear it. I could not hear it. Finally, I went to a really great um, weekend about leadership, female leadership. Female Frontier was what it was called. And it was all about developing us. And I was faced with a lot of really hard questions from a lot of really awesome women about what I was doing with my life and why I was doing it. And it came at perfect timing because it forced me to ask a lot of questions about what was going on in my life. And I got the answers that I knew I was going to get the whole time, which is, well, I got it via text message, so not great, but I I got it that it was over. Um, And yeah, that is my history of avoidance. Let me tell you, I don't avoid any hard conversations now. I run a business now. And I have to have hard conversations almost daily. I'm asking money of people. I'm working with people. I'm saying no to people I don't want to work with. I have had to build, like this business is successful and it's successful because I'm showing up as a real human. I'm showing up not avoiding conversations that are hard. I'm showing up having those hard conversations and realizing when you're dealing with other adults that are equipped to have these hard conversations, they're not hard. They're just conversations. And that was what was lacking from my life is the fact that I wasn't dealing with people that had dealt through their own shit to be able to show up the best versions of themselves. And that's why it's so important that we all have this responsibility to work on ourselves. I was showing up terribly for many, many years for my friends. I, once again, the anger cycle was deep in me. I would, everything would show up in anger because and anger was a real, real thing I had to work through when I finally did timeline therapy. I finally did the work on myself and work through why I had such anger issues and why this, because I was so scared of the hurt that was actually behind the anger. And look, we all have a responsibility to do this work and show up the best version of ourselves. And if you are feeling broken right now, that's on you. Like you, you can grow from that. You need to grow from that. And I promise you, if you put in the work and it is hard, if it was easy, you know, no one would try and run from it. It's a lot easier to run from our pain than it is to embrace it and to really unpack the way that we behave. I caught myself behaving terribly last night. I did some very bad things on social media. (laughs) I did some stalking, not literal stalking. I'm not a stalker. But I did some old unhelpful patterns of behavior about things I can't change. And I journaled on it. And I was like, what are the real reasons I'm behaving this way? What is the real core thing here? And I realized it was actually all about me. And most of the time, the way that we're behaving, it's not about someone else. It's about us. There's something there for us. And I think, you know, the longer that we avoid our situations and we avoid the the place that we're in and we avoid the hurt, the longer we like harm the relationships that we have with others the longer we harm the relationship we have with ourselves and the longer we harm the relationship with life and living our best, most fulfilled life. So my takeaway message for you today is do the work 
And if you need help with resources on who to talk to, books you should be reading, podcasts you can be listening to, I can help you with all of that. You just need to reach out to me. There are so many good resources out there to do the work and so many things that will really pull you out of that zone of, of feeling broken. It is, it's so common to get to that point, but rock bottom is beautiful and it is from rock bottom and brokenness that we really find out who we truly are and I want you to believe that. I want you to believe there is a future that you can see for yourself because trust me, I've been in your shoes and I felt like there is no hope and then how are you going to wake up tomorrow and how are you going to get through the day? Like, look, sometimes I still reflect on what I went through last year and I think, wow, how did I accomplish all I've accomplished? But the tip was I got up every day and I did the work every day on myself and I prioritized myself. And it's really important to know that prioritizing yourself is not selfish. It is you being the best version of yourself for everyone around you, including yourself. And doing that is actually way more valuable to the world than hiding from shit and hoping it goes away because it ain't going nowhere. It will follow you everywhere you go because it's, it's in your heart, honey. So I hope that's been helpful. As I said, please reach out, connect with me. You can find me at Beck underscore Chapel on Insta and Facebook and love to hear from you. Have a really great week, guys, and I hope this podcast has hit home for you. Thank you.